Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. We are in this uh, series, this is our second week, Letters from My Future Self. And um, we have talked a little bit about uh, just the idea of if you could go back in time and tell your younger self some advice, what would it be? And so you heard some of the people sharing actually their own uh, piece of advice they would give. But the truth is, is that just because, you know, you can't go back in time and do that, you can't, you know, put a letter in a magical mailbox and then you're, you know, past self can go back and do it and change. You can't do that. There's always hope for change when Jesus is involved. And and so that's why we're doing this series is because we want to share advice with each other from God's word that will help us change the future. It doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been around, been there, done that. You can still change and grow. And and so we want to challenge you with that. Um, What we're talking about today Um, Last week, we talked about worry doesn't work. And so if you struggle with worry, which most of us in some way, now some people don't worry, but most of us have a little bit of issue and struggle with worry and all those sorts of things, go back and listen to last week's message sometime this week. I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, It was good for me. It was really, you know, therapeutic in a lot of ways for me. And I heard a lot of people uh, share a lot of things. We had some prayer partners that were around the room and a lot of people took advantage of that. But some of you didn't. And some of you needed to. Uh, You're still holding on to it. And so I want to encourage you to reach out, to reach out to somebody, talk to somebody, pray, talk to God, but have people pray with you. And go back and listen. There's a lot of good advice in that message. And today we're talking about asking for help. It's Mother's Day, and moms are really, for the most part, helpers. They love to help people. A lot of them, you know, a lot of moms just have that natural helper ability. Not everybody necessarily, but a lot of them do. And they help people in so many different ways. But I want to tell you about a time that, um, with good intentions, I didn't ask for help, and it sort of backfired on me a little bit. Um, Me and Sherry were brand new parents. Uh, Luke was just a little baby. You know, he's uh, almost 20 years old now. That's crazy. Um, It's crazy how I'm 25 and have a 20-year-old. And I'm a grandpa. It's just math's funny sometimes. Um, but he was just a little, little thing. He was just a couple weeks home, you know, from the hospital, I guess. And I had, like, helped change diapers a little bit with Sherry. I was not a babysitter when I was growing up. I did not do that. Didn't have any younger siblings. Um, my one experience that I remember holding a baby when I was, like, maybe seven, eight years old, the baby pooped all over me. So that kind of did me in for, like, changing diapers. Uh, so... I had helped change a few, uh, you know, with Sherry standing right there. I'd done all that. And then she's in the shower, you know, getting, you know, trying to get refreshed and get a break. Uh, one day I'm in there and Luke starts crying and I can tell he needs his diaper changed. So I go in there. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be like the hero of this story. You know, I'm going to go in. I'm going to change this diaper completely by myself. He's just a week or two old. And like, no, you know, Sherry's not there. I'm not going to bother her. I'm going to completely do it on my own. So I go in there. I put him in the little bassinet thing. And I've, you know, got him laying there. And I'm talking to him, you know. And uh, I take the diaper off. And I pull it off like this and start to pull out from under him. And this dude starts peeing in his own mouth special talent. He's back there. He's back there. Very talented. He loves when I tell these kind of things. Okay, I got to amend the story a little bit. He was 15. I'm kidding. Um, No, so 
he starts peeing in his mouth, which is pretty impressive. But anyway, he starts doing that. And so I'm like, I go in panic mode because this is my first solo flight, right? And so I'm like, she's way back in the back in the shower. But I'm like, ah, Shay, Shay. And I try to like cover up, you know, so to stop that whole procedure. And then he decided, because he's like all worked up because I guess he didn't enjoy it. And so he's like, Aah! and he like projectile poops across the into the bassinet. Thankfully, the bassinet's about this high, so I didn't get anything on me. I'm sorry if this is grossing you out, but it's life. Um, But he projectile poops, and so then I'm like, "Ah, ah!" I'm like, Shay, help, help. Man, I I was shook, buddy. I I was absolutely shook. It's it's hard to believe that I ever changed another diaper, but I became a pretty good pro at that after having 37 children. Um, I got a lot better. But I, I was trying good. I was trying a good thing, right? I was trying to do something, you know, trying to give her a break. She didn't, you know, she was a helper. She's very good at it. But I was like, I want to I do this on my own. But I probably could have used a couple more lessons, right? You know, what to do when all stuff breaks loose. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest, being real. Um, but I needed help. But I, I wasn't doing it from a private thing. But most of the time when you and I, myself included, don't ask for help, what's one of the main culprits why we don't ask for help? Pride. Pride is nine times out of ten the reason we don't ask for help. We don't want to look weak. We don't want to look incompetent. We don't want to look needy. We just want everybody to think that we got it all together. You know, that we've got all the answers, that I've got this, I can handle this, I'm strong enough, I'm good enough, and doggone it, people like me. Anybody ever watch? No, you didn't watch Saturday Night Live back in the day. But here's the thing. You guys remember Muhammad Ali? You know, probably the greatest boxer of all time. Um, Muhammad Ali, of all the things that he was known for, he was not known for his humility. I'll say that. He was super talented. He probably had a lot of reason to brag and to boast, but he was very good at bragging and boasting. And you may have heard the story that uh, years ago, um, he was on a uh, flight, and he's coming along, and the, the, the flight attendants are going up and down the aisle, checking everybody's seat belts and all that sort of stuff. And he was not seat belted in, and they stopped, and they said, Mr. Ali, you need to buckle your seatbelt. And he famously said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The flight attendant was really quick and right back at him said, Superman don't need no airplane either. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's, that's good. She, she was right back on him. It's true. Superman doesn't need an airplane, so he needed to buckle up. And so the story goes, Muhammad Ali buckled his seatbelt. But a lot of times we think, I've got this, I can handle it, I don't need any help. And when it comes to asking for help, I think our desire to be uh, viewed as Superman or or Superwoman has become our kryptonite. And I'll I'll be honest with you, I've got some help with this message. This series is a series that we took the idea uh, from a a really strong church in Arizona, actually where Bill and uh, Stacy and Alex came from. Uh, It's a church uh, called CCV. And this last week, the message was just one all that I thought of. But I listened to what he said about this week, and I'm sharing a lot of it with you. So I have to give credit where credit is due to a guy by the name of Ashley Woolridge. But uh, he he shared a a few good things. But he said that, and I I was like, that's stuck, and I want to share that with you guys. A lot of times, our desire to be viewed as Superman or Superwoman has become our kryptonite, and it's why we don't succeed in the way that we want to succeed. 
And so when I was planning these uh, series of messages months and months and months ago, I chose this particular message to fall on Mother's Day. Partly because, as I said already, moms are helpers, but this is not, this is not a scientific study. This is just me watching life. A lot of times, moms are the last person to do what? Ask for help. Because they want to do it all. They don't want anybody else to have to go out of their way. They're servers, they're servants, and, and so, oh, I, I can do this. I don't need any help. But the truth is, I see some people pointing. Oh. The truth is, we all need help. All of us, moms, dads, kids, Whoever, everybody needs help. Proverbs 13, verse 10 says this. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. When you have pride in your life and you don't ask for help, it just leads to nothing but issues. It leads to nothing but rough roads and and bumpy terrain in life and learning things a lot of times the hard way. But pride, uh, those who take advice are wise. Here's a a, a powerful statement I want you to get. I want you to read this along with me. Asking for help isn't weak. It may be the strongest thing we do. Asking for help isn't weak. It may be the strongest thing we do. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of device. Many advisors bring success. When we have many people that advise us, that's when our life and our plans can be successful. And I want to go to a, a story from the Old Testament, uh, since we, we sort of talked about that a little bit here uh, this morning for communion. This is a little bit after the whole Passover. Once the people of uh, Israel are free from Egypt and they're wandering around the desert, Moses and Jethro. Now, Moses, you probably heard of, right? Moses, he's a good guy. He did a lot of good stuff. But Jethro, you may not know his name. You may not have heard of him before. But does anybody know who he was? He was Moses' what? Father-in-law, that's right. You guys are sharp. You guys know it all. Um, Moses and Jethro, his father-in-law, in in Exodus chapter 18. And we're going to look at some verses through uh, chapter 18 if you want. But what happens as we kick off here in in chapter 18 of Exodus is Jethro, the father-in-law, comes to visit Moses there in the desert. And he comes up and he is, uh, you know, just amazed by everything that God has done. And so he he takes some time. Moses tells his father-in-law of all the things that God has done. And how it delights Jethro. You know, it delights him. And then it says in the text, it says the next day that all the people of Israel came around and were surrounding Moses, asking him to judge over their different disputes and things that they didn't know what to do on. And so they gather around him. And it says specifically that they were bringing their issues to him from morning until evening. All right, now I'm going to pause right there really quick. Um, You know, if you're a mom in here today, does that feel like having toddlers at home? You know, know, you're at home and from morning until evening, they are just bringing all of their issues and all their complaints. And, you know, maybe if you're not a mom or, you know, or whatever, maybe you can relate to that at work. You know, where it's like everybody's coming to you and everybody's always got something going on and, oh, help me with this, help me with that. It is exhausting. And Moses, uh, you know, had told his father of all the things that God had done. And Jethro's watching and he sees all this taking place, how it goes from all day long. There was at least, at least a million people in the nation of Israel that had been freed from Egypt. Probably more than that. 
But that's a very conservative estimate. So somewhere it could have been hundreds of thousands of people that were waiting in line. You just don't know. It was a lot of people that wanted him. So it happened day after day after day. Moses, help us. Pick up in verse 14. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, this is pretty bold and pretty blunt. What are you really accomplishing here? Well, thanks a lot, Pops, you know, right? But I'm glad he was honest, you know? Sometimes it takes the father-in-law being really honest with him here. And he says, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning until evening? He asked him very plainly, very simply. And here's what Moses' answer is. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 with me. Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decree and give them his instructions. Do you notice something interesting about Moses' answer? He uses a lot of what? I and me, I and me. And I'm not saying he was arrogant, but regardless, he felt the pressure that it was all on him. So he kept, his answer is, oh, I've got to do this. You know, they come to me. I've got to da 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 I, me, I, me, I, me. Um, there's a comedian, Brian Regan, that I, I love, and he talked about uh, years ago in one of his stand-up routines about people who are all about talking about themselves, and he calls them the me monsters. He said, you can be telling a story, and then they come along saying, me, 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 ah, 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 and he's just talking about how that's just how people can be. And that sort of sounds like what Moses is being, right? He's like, it's all about me. I've got to do this. I'm the only one that can take this burden. And I've got to go be the go-between between God and the people. And there was a little bit of truth in that. But what comes next is really interesting. But before we get into that, I want you to understand something. This is simple, but there again, we talk about this a lot. We know the answer to a lot of things, but a lot of times we don't adopt it and we don't adapt it into our lives. Knowing it is a whole lot, another thing from doing it, but I want you to understand this. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. You might be thinking, yeah, but you don't know the knuckleheads I'm surrounded by. Yeah, I mean, we've all got our reasons why we think that this does not apply to us, but it absolutely applies to every single one of us. We don't have to have all the answers. And, and if this sets somebody free, I hope and pray it can. Dads, you don't have to have all the answers. Moms, you don't have to have all the answers. Kids, you don't have to have all the answers. No matter where you are in life, bosses, employees, whatever, you don't have to have husbands, wives, you don't have to have all the answers. No matter where you are in your life, whatever stage you're in, you don't have to have all the answers. And this, if maybe this might help you another step, God did not design you to have all the answers. Because we said this a lot last week, he is God and we are not. He is God and we are not. He did not design you to do life alone. Do you remember when God created Adam? He had said after every part of the creation, it said that he created it and it was 
Good. After he created Adam, the thing that it says is, he looked and said, it is not good for man to be alone. Because he looked and there was no suitable helper, it says, for Adam. And so he created Eve, the woman, to be with him and to help him and to be a companion, to be somebody who helped improve his life. And so that's why we need to understand this. God didn't design you to have all the answers. And I keep repeating it because, unfortunately, we're walking around with our stinking dead horse trying to act and believe that it's alive. I'm going to beat that dead horse because we are trying to prop up that dead horse and get people to think that there's still some life in it. You were not designed to know it all and do it all. I think I'm hitting close to home. Here's the thing. When you and I try to do it all, we miss out on all the good things that God has in store for us. And we become the bottleneck for blessings for ourselves, and believe it or not, for other people. You know, no matter, what, no matter what role you play in life, you know, maybe you're a bottleneck for blessings for your friends because you're always trying to fix everything and do everything for your friends or for your spouse or for your children or your parents. You know, I fill in the blank. You know, you, you guys can extrapolate that. But when you try to do it all, you'll be the bottleneck for growth in the areas that you have influence in, and in your job, in, in your family, in your ministry. And if I just can't say it enough, you'll be the bottleneck for all the good things that God may want to do in your life. Exodus chapter 18, verse 17 says this. Here's what Jethro says next. After seeing that whole thing, he's like, what are we really accomplishing here? Are you really doing anything? And he says in verse 17, this is not good. It says his father-in-law exclaimed. You know, he didn't just say it calmly. He exclaimed it. He may have shouted it. You know, this is not good, Moses. It, it's not a good thing you think you're doing. Moses may have been, I don't know, may have been sort of patting himself on his back a little bit about look at all these people that come to me, to me, to me. And his father just, father-in-law tells him very plainly, this is not good. And I believe maybe God is trying to say that to me. Maybe he's trying to say that to you today. Those of you watching online at home, he is trying to say to you, you're operating all alone. You don't ask anybody for help. And it seems like everything is crumbling around, uh, all around you. Look at verse 18. He says, you're going to wear yourself out. And listen to this. And the people, too. Can I pause right there really quick? If you're somebody who struggles with asking for help, and you're feeling the weight and the burden of it, you might own up to the fact that you are causing yourself a lot of problems and a lot of heartache. But have you ever considered the fact that you're wearing out others, too? And mostly, I hope you hear that because most of us who are helpers who don't ask for help, it's because we really care about people. I, I'm not saying you're being a jerk about it. You know, a lot of us, we just, we want to help people and we want like, I got to do this. This is my burden. I got to carry this. And so, but if we realize that we're actually harming others and we're actually holding others back when we don't ask for help, if nothing else, we're stealing a blessing from them from being able to help us. I hope and pray that gets through our minds and gets through our heads and we hear what God's trying to say to us. 
us. We're hurting other people as well. We're wearing other people out. Because here's what he says next in the next part of that verse. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. When you don't ask for help, you wear out not only yourself, but you wear out everybody else around you. Maybe there's a mom or a dad in here today that needs to hear that. You know, you don't ask for help. You could be wearing your kids out. You know, maybe there's somebody here who needs to hear that about their job. It's, you know, maybe you come home and complain or you complain in your head that nobody helps, but have you asked? Or maybe it's in your area of ministry where you serve here at church, you know. Are you asking other people for help? I'll tell you, we talk about, we don't make any bones about inviting people to serve and asking people to serve and honestly expecting people to serve because we're part of the body of Christ. But you know what goes a thousand miles more than me standing up here asking people to serve? You going and asking somebody personally to serve alongside with you. If you want help, if you need help, ask people. We want you to get other people involved. And so maybe today we need to hear that. Verse 18, it says it right there. It says, the work is too heavy. You can't do it alone. And Jethro says something there. It's really interesting. He talks about um, verse 19. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice. That idea or that phrase, give you some advice, is the same Hebrew word from Proverbs 15, verse 22 that we read earlier. It talks about the advice and giving there. It's the same Hebrew word. He says, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. So he says, you're not on the wrong track, Moses. You are important, and you do have value. Do you think that's why a lot of times we don't ask for help? Because we're afraid? Because we get our worth out of people needing us? I heard some groans on that one. We are afraid to ask for help because we find our value in what we provide, not who we are. That's not where your value comes from. First off, your value comes from Jesus Christ, but also in who he made you to be, the ultimately the redeemed version that Jesus redeems, but it's in who you are. Your identity is what gives you value. It's not what you do or what you provide, or praise God, your value is not affected when you don't provide enough, and you don't do it right, and you can't juggle all the plates. You are not finding your value in that. If you are, you're doing it wrong. And so he says, listen to me. Keep on serving. You are the representative before God. You're, but here's what happens. Here's what you need to do. You need to keep leading, but you need to surround yourself with good people. You need to teach them, to train them, let them handle different levels. Look at verse 22. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. So he said, I want you to divide up. I want you to train some people to handle these smaller things, and you can stand and you can handle the bigger things. You prepare them. You give them a little bit of God's wisdom as he gives it to you. You pour it into them. Let them handle the smaller things and he even gets very specific he talks about you know uh, break them up into smaller groups but here's what he says continue on in verse 22 
Have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, now, he says, if. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. What he's saying is, is that Moses, in a way, you've been robbing people of peace because you haven't been asking for help. But if you take this advice and you ask for help and you provide people with the skills and the tools they need, then everybody will have the peace that they've been looking for. And guess what? You'll have some of it too, Moses. Maybe today you're Moses. Or maybe today you're in a relationship where people won't ask for help and you're still not getting peace, but you can have peace as we start to follow and honor what God's called us to do. Verse 24 explains this idea. It says, Moses did everything he said and it changed Israel. I mean, that's a paraphrase. But he says, Moses, it says, Moses did everything he did and it changed Israel. The key there is because this. Here's the key. How many of you have ever asked for advice? How many of you have ever asked for advice on something really big? And then, how many of you have asked for advice on something big, and you listen to it like, uh-huh, 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 and then you walk out and you don't ever put it in practice? And six weeks later, a month later, a day later, you're still banging your head against the same wall because you don't take the advice that somebody gave you, right? He takes the advice, and that's why everything began to change. Um, you know, you think about it like this. You imagine, I, you know, I don't think this would happen in our day and time, but when I was a kid, it could very likely have happened. Um, you know, you imagine, you know, a, a little kid goes up to an electric fence and you see them making their way and, you know, you know like an a animal electric fence and you're like, hey, hey, stop, don't do that. And a kid, you know, especially a toddler would be like, you know, and do that. I mean, that, how many times have you done that as a toddler? You know, you've seen toddlers or when you were a toddler, somebody say, stop, I don't do that. And you're like, you know, I mean, they're going to do it. And we think, oh, how silly, how childish, you know, this little, little crazy kid doesn't know any better. But how many of us have been that same person as an adult? Somebody says, no, 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 don't do, don't do that. Or, or do this. And we're like, mm -mm, I'm doing it my way. And we get hurt over and over and over again when we follow the godly advice. That's when things can change. Well, here's three things really quickly that we can learn about getting help from chapter 18. First one is this, and I want you to hear this. Everybody wake back up, unclog your ears. You may be one piece of advice away from a better future. You may be one piece of advice away from a better future in your life if only you ask for help. We, we talk about God's word a lot here. And, and this is absolutely something you need to do. You need to be spending time in God's Word, trying to get wisdom about whatever it is that you're struggling with or whatever thing you're looking for some advice in, but maybe you haven't talked to people. You need to be praying, absolutely. You need to be praying. That's the first thing you need to be doing. But a lot of us might do those things. We'll read God's Word. We'll, we'll, we'll think about those things. We'll pray. But where a lot of us miss out is we miss out on the community part. 
We don't really interact with the body of believers and build relationships with people, and we don't share what's going on, and so we can't ever have somebody else's input, somebody else's angle, somebody else's life experience in it. So that's one thing. You might be one piece of advice away from a better future. The second thing is this. Asking for help is not admitting failure. It's pursuing success. If I could just help you to wrap your mind around that, it's not admitting failure. It's not saying, oh, I need help. I I can't do it on my own. It's saying, I want to succeed. Help me. Help me. You need help. I need help. Ask for help, and that will be a pathway to success. Uh, Ashley Woolridge, the guy who uh, this message originally, I I got a lot of these ideas from, uh, he has a guy in his church that's the CEO of a company that makes $550 million a year. A year. And he said the guy's in his 60s. He has built this massive, massive company. If anybody could probably say, I got this stuff figured out, it's him, right? I mean, his company makes $550 million a year. He said that guy asked for advice on everything he does. And he says the reason I'm successful is because I ask for advice. I don't know it all. There are people who know things better, so ask for advice. The third thing is this. The quality of people you surround yourself with determines the quality of advice you get. And if, man, if I could really hammer that home, it's get that in our minds and our hearts. The quality of the people you surround yourself with determines the quality of advice you get. And it's been said many, many times over, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's something that we say for young people a lot, but all of us, no matter what stage of life we're in, we need to, to remind ourselves of that. Show yourself, show me your friends, and show me, uh, uh, you'll show me your future. And the truth is, is that we all get advice. More than ever, we get advice in our society, in our culture. And I can't tell you how many people, you know, I've been studying the Bible, I've been looking through the Bible with them, and they'll be like, well, I don't know if I believe that. And I'm like, why don't you believe that? It's in the scripture. It's like, well, I was watching this YouTube video. Oh, somebody, some crazy nincompoop's got a cat walking around their desk talking on YouTube trying to tell you they know all kinds. I mean, you know, I mean, there's crazy videos out there. But what I'm saying is we all get advice. We go, more than ever, we look at, at YouTube, at Facebook videos, at Instagram, at TikTok videos of these people, these talking head videos that will tell you that they've got all the answers about how you can have, uh, you know, a better physique, how you can have more money, how you can have the better spiritual life, how you can have all this stuff. And some of it may be good. I'm not saying it's not good. I I look at some of those things too. But we need to make sure we're checking the quality of the advice we're getting so that we can move forward and be successful. If we're listening to only our worldly friends that don't have the same values as us, we will suffer the consequences. And so here's five quick things. I know you thought I was done when I said three and I've already got three. Psych, I tricked you. You got rickrolled. Five checkpoints for getting good advice. This is where you really want to focus in. First one is this. If you're going to somebody for advice, they need to be a follower of Jesus. When it's talking about something spiritual. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not being legalistic here. I, I want you to use good common sense. If you are going into Lowe's and you need a two-by-four, you don't need to say, have you been baptized yet? To say, yeah. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. But I'm talking about when you're talking about big life decisions, you know, things like that, you know, spiritual things for sure, you need to go to somebody who's got a godly mindset. And the truth is, is that the worst advice that you can get sometimes is from somebody whose values don't align with yours. 
If you're not heading in the same direction, how can they help you get to where you're trying to go? You've got to make sure you're getting it from good advice. Second one is this. Choose experience over influence. Just because someone has a lot of influence, and this kind of goes back to the social media thing that so many of us get caught up and captive in today, is that because somebody's a celebrity or somebody's got a lot of followers that we think, oh, well, they know what they're talking about. There are a lot of people who are posing as business experts on TikTok videos that have never built a business. They just have principles they've stolen barred, but they never put them into practice. And people are following that saying, well, why am I still broke? You know? Because we just, we're not going to someone with experience, we're just looking at someone who has influence. And our society is chasing after influences, influences with no experience. They just market well. They don't, they've never done it, they just market well. So find somebody who's got experience in the issue that you're dealing with. You'll never get to where you want to go until you ask people who have been down that road. You want marriage help? Go to somebody who's made it work. Because guess what? They did not get the magic pill when they got married. They didn't get the magic spouse, and they've never had issues. There's probably been plenty of times they were about to knock each other out. I'm just being honest. But they figured out how to make it work. So they've been there, and they've done that. So go to them. Somebody who's got experience. Somebody who's got experience. Go to them. Third is this. Ask people that know you the best and love you the most. Ask people that know you the best and love you the most. We often ask people for advice that don't know us well, and we can fool them, can't we? We ask them, you know, it's safe because they don't really know us, they don't know our situation, and so we can tell them about an argument we're having with our friend or our spouse, and we can paint it just like we're all in the right and that person's all in the wrong. So if they give you advice on that where you fooled them a little bit, they're gonna give you wrong advice, aren't they? Because you're the problem. <laughs> you know, you might be the problem. It probably goes both ways. But my point is, make sure they know you. And then that other part is so important, so key. Make sure they love you. Make sure they love you. Because you need somebody who can call you out. You need somebody who can call you out and speak truth into your life, even if that truth is painful. If you have a lot of wisdom, this is a little side note here. If you have a lot of wisdom and nobody ever comes to you and asks you for advice, I want you to take a step back and I want you to say, how well do I love other people? Am I inviting and am I welcoming? Am I loving to people? Are people coming to me? That's just a little side note. That's a good thing for all of us, especially those of us who have lived a little bit more life. Well, the fourth thing is this. Ask more than one person. Ask more than one person. Proverbs 15, verse 22, as we read earlier, says many advisors bring success. Not just one, right? Many advisors. Ask more than one person. And a lot of times we've got good intentions there as well. We don't want to ask anybody, but we definitely don't want to ask two or three people because we don't want to seem like a bother. We don't want to seem like somebody who is just really being an issue and really getting in people's time and taking away their, uh, their stuff. You've got to realize you're not bugging, you're being a blessing. Because when people have gone through life, they want to help other people. They want to help people get to where they're going. Here's what you need to understand. You're tempted to go find the answer that you want. Many times we'll go ask somebody who we know will give us the answer we want to hear. Is that doing us any good? 
We need to go to somebody who's going to tell us the truth in love. We need to go to somebody that is going to point us in the right direction. So get different godly perspectives and see what all of them come together, and you might find some good common points. Number five, the last one is this. Ask someone that you know will likely disagree with you. I got a hammer on that part. Ask someone who you know that will likely disagree with you because that's what we do. We're like, I'm going to go and we, we won't say it out loud. We'll just say it in our head because, you know, God can't hear what's going on through our skull because we got a thick skull. Probably true, but it, it still doesn't work. We say, okay, I'm going to go ask them because they're going to agree with me and then I can do what I want to do anyway. That's what a lot of us do when we ask for advice anyway. We know what we're going to do, but we're going to ask for advice just so we can be justified and say, well, hey, that's what they said. And then we're sitting in the shambles of our own mess. So we go and we find someone that will likely disagree with us. Some of us are sitting in here in this room. We're dealing with a wayward child or a big decision at work. And there's somebody 15 feet away from us that's got the answer. You ever thought about that? You're struggling, you're worrying every night, you can't sleep, you don't know what to do, you're blowing up and getting angry because you're so frustrated and you just don't have the answers. And each week you might be sitting 5, 10, 15 feet away from somebody who could help you because they've been there and they've done that and they've suffered on the same road that you're suffering on right now. But you won't ask. One of the reasons that we talk about getting involved in connect groups here at Movement it's our small group Bible studies is so you can build relationships with people and really get to know people. Because I say this all the time, is that you're not going to get to know other people by staring at the back of their head for an hour once a week. And if you are not getting involved and truly plugged into the body of Christ, you're not going to find the support and the advice and you're not going to know the people to go and ask. And they're not going to have the relationship with you to speak truth into your life. And so spend time getting to know people on a different level. That's why we want you to be involved in that. And you might be saying, well, I, I don't have time. I don't have time. You don't know my schedule. And yeah, I, you know, um, I, I'll say this. Sherry was in a situation outside of church, my wife. Not anybody from our church. And they were talking about how this woman was like, I am so busy. She said, I've got to get my son to baseball practice every, you know, two times a week. And I've got this, uh, you know, I've got, I, I work, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Sherry went, let her talk. She let, let that hook set. And she told her about her three jobs, her five children, and now grandchild. And she, I mean, she wasn't mean or condescending about it, but the lady was like, oh, oh, I've got one child with one practice. You've got three kids playing a sport at the same time, you know? It's so what I'm saying is we all are busy, right? I'm not saying that to degrade that person. Some of y'all are getting really judgmental at me. I can see it in your face right now. But we're all busy. We've all got plenty of reasons, right? But here's something I want you to hear. And, and if you tuned out again, and that's very likely, wake back up and hear this, okay? Could one hour in a group a week save you five hours of pain every week? Because chances are, you're busy, you are busy. But there are probably so many hours that you are just churning and worrying and fretting and struggling and angry and messing your relationships and messing up relationships because you won't seek advice. But if you got to know somebody on a deeper level for one hour a week and sacrifice that time out of your schedule, it might save you five that you've already been wasting every week. Get to know other people. And some of you might have an addiction 
or a hidden sin or a fear or a worry that you just won't let go. And you might be one ask of advice away from having freedom from that for the first time in a long time. Maybe you're struggling with debt, but pride is keeping you back. Maybe your marriage is struggling and you just don't know where to get answers, but you can get help because here's the thing. Some hurts you won't overcome without help, and you need help. Now, the truth is that you can't go back in time and write yourself a letter. It's just not possible. But you can't ask for help today. You might be one piece of advice away from a better future. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Christ. And as we sort of talked about last week, the first step of help that any of us need, and if we ever want to see true change, is surrendering to Jesus. I was listening to the song as we were singing it before the message, I Surrender All. And some of us walk in here week after week after week trying to carry our own burdens and trying to make right for all of our sins and our past failures and mistakes, and the only thing that can ever set us free is surrendering to Jesus. So that's your first step. The first one to ask for help is God himself. And Jesus, through his grace and his blood and his body that was broken on the cross, is here for you to set you free, and he will give you the help that you need. And so if you need to surrender to him, I'd love to talk with you after, and we could help you take the steps you need to take. We'll look at God's word with you. But maybe, just maybe, you've already done that. Then you need to find someone, another person that you can talk to to say, I need help. And make it be many people who want to come alongside you and step up and need help. I, I'll be honest, I, I was sitting here struggling today because I have dealt with, with burnout for a, a couple of times. In 2018, I, I just hit a really, really low point, and I thought, man, I, I got through that, and I, I survived, and then I came through, and I was like, man, I hope I never have to go through that again. Well, last year, I went through it even worse. <laughs> and so I stand here before you today as somebody who I feel a little bit of, bit of it creeping in on me again. I feel overwhelmed. I feel a burden for people. I, I hear things that people are having difficulties in life. I need help, and I need other people to help, and I need people to help me. I need, we all need each other. I stand here. I need help. I need you to pray for me. I, I say this not to put attention on me, but I'm not going to be silent anymore and try to make people think that I've got it all figured out. In a lot of ways, I'm hurting too. And so I just say that to hopefully help somebody else know they don't have to sit in silence. I'm going to reach out to some people individually because I need help. So I don't want you to leave here today without knowing that you might be one ask for advice away from your future changing. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.